Welcome to the Word Bible Study with Pastor Dan. Yeah, and I'm excited for everyone who decided to have a Bible study with me today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, touch our hearts and minds today, God. Allow us to focus on you, Lord. Anoint Brandon's mouth, Lord, that he'll speak your word in this room today, God. And we'll all grow from what we learn. And we'll continue, Lord, to be in your work and in your presence. We worship you and thank you for this time, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, how's everyone doing today? Good, good, good. So... Today, we're going to be talking something that's really true to my heart. If you guys didn't grow up with me, you guys know, you guys knew that I fought a lot of battles growing up. I was a wrestler, I was always fighting, and I just had this all-or-nothing aspect about me. So I kind of really learned a lot about how to battle. I always wanted to go into the Marines, I always wanted to serve in the Army, and Lord didn't let that happen. When I was about 16, 17, I developed a knee problem where I couldn't even walk upstairs anymore, let alone carry a brother out of the line of fire So I took it upon myself that that was a, wasn't going to be an option for me anymore. But that mentality always stuck with me. That warrior mindset always stuck with me. And so today we're going to be teaching, talking about facing your giants, prepare for war. Last week, Dan talked to us about mastering our beliefs. And so this is going to help out with that a little bit, because all the small battles are a little easier to get through, but what happens when we face our giants? What happens when we come up against something that's so large, so big, that we don't know how to deal with it? We know that we're the master of our minds, but sometimes we're still human flesh. We can't always overcome all of that just by our own mindset, by our own thinking. And so the Lord really hammered this with me in the past two weeks. I was going to do it on Moses because that was a great example of faith. And the Lord said, no, we're not going to talk about Moses today. So a lot of what we're going to be talking about comes from David. It comes from his story about finding Goliath. And there's actually a bigger, bigger giant that he had to face that wasn't David, as we'll see. And his name was Saul. And so we're going to start off in Ephesians 6, chapter 12. And this is going to be talking about the armor of God. Because if we're going into a battle, we should probably have armor. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Uh, I, I just got a computer program, so my stuff's a little mixed around, so you guys are going to have to bear with me. It's a learning process for all of us. So, Ephesians 6 and 11 is actually where we're going to start off. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the devil and defy him. So, we already know we're going to put our armor on to stand tall. We're not fighting against fleshly things, because if we were fighting against fleshly things, it would be a lot easier. We're fighting against spiritual attacks. We're fighting against spiritual things. Things that we can't see, just like our faith. We can't see our faith, but we know that faith is there. So we're going to combat these evil spirits with our faith, amongst some other things. And so then in Ephesians 6, chapter 13, Put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, we'll stand firm. So we already know, with God's armor, we're going to stand firm. 
And David knew this as well. So in 1 Samuel 17, 39, before this, he his son, his father sends him to meet his brother and bring food for his brothers and also for the king and for all everybody else there. The Israelites were there for 40 days and 40 nights once Goliath came out to the battle. They stayed timid. They stayed despaired. They didn't want to go fight this giant for over 40 days and 40 nights. They refused to fight this battle. But David knew something that they didn't know. David knew that it wasn't their battle, that it was God's battle. Because just as God had delivered David out of the paws of the lions, paws of the bear, and delivered the sheep back to him, he also knew that this Philistine was no different than everything else that he encountered. He might have been a nine-foot-tall giant, born of war his entire life, but that didn't matter to him. And so he goes, and he's asking questions, and Saul hears this, and Saul brings him to him and says, you can't, you can't go fight this. You are just a mere boy. And Goliath is a boy born from war. And he is a man that has partaken in many, many wars. He is a warrior, and you are nothing but a shepherd. And he says, but I am not just a shepherd. I am a shepherd with the Lord on my side. Just as he has delivered me from these bears against all of these other giants I have fought and delivered my flock from, he will surely do the same with me. Because this Philistine is defying God's army. And so he goes and tells them, all right, here's my armor. Here's my coat of chainmail. You don't have a sword. Here's my sword. Put this on and go, go fight. And so this is where we're going to pick it up at. And 1 Samuel 17, verse 39. And so David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like. For he had never worn such things before. I cannot go in these, he protested to Saul. I am not used to them. So David took them off. That says a lot. We've talked about this before, about how you have to put on your own armor. And that is extremely true. My salvation can't say, can't make David's salvation come true. But my salvation can help protect to where I can help him be saved. And I can help him grow his faith. My shield of faith isn't going to fit on Trey's Trey's arm to use against his family. But I can stand in front of Trey with my shield that I forged, that I have made stronger, and show him how to forge his shield of faith to become stronger. Because as I have made my armor stronger, it doesn't say anywhere that I can't help my brothers make their armor just as strong as mine. But it was made for me. It wasn't made for Trey. Could it work for him? Yeah, it, it probably could, but he's not going to be effective with that shield. He doesn't know the weight of that shield. He doesn't know how to wield that shield. He doesn't know where to place his hand for it to be the most effective. But if he takes up his shield and continuously forges it into something stronger, now he's taken something that was small that he could wield easily and made it into something so strong, so heavy, that nobody else is going to be able to wield with the same efficiency. As him. So we have to take up our own armor. We have to take up our own armor. My armor isn't going to fit faith. But we took a vow before God that we are one. So my armor plus her armor equals armor for my family. Our armor together is now one piece of armor. Because just as she's my wife, I want her to be as strong as I am. 
So I'm going to continue to help forge her armor to fit her, to fit to fit our family. So our armor together is better than just my armor by itself. Very good. God gave us that help made for a reason. Absolutely. And so the next thing I really noticed about David was his confidence. Like I said earlier, the rest of the Israelites were scared for 40 days and 40 nights. They ran away sore at the sight of them. He hadn't even done anything to them yet. And they're already hurting. What, what is all of this about? And David understood that. So in 1 Samuel 30, verse 8. I'm sorry. 1 Samuel 17, 45 through 47. David replied to the Philistine. You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's army, the God of the armies of Israel, who you have defied. The Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head, and then I will give your bodies, the bodies of your men, to the birds and the wild animals of the whole world, so that the, that the world will know there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear, because we're not fighting a physical battle. This was not a physical battle. David understood this. He knew that this was not a physical battle. He understood that Goliath had a spiritual hold over the Israelites through fear. Fear is something that we can see through other people, but I can't physically see fear. I can see the consequences of fear in somebody. So this is a spiritual attack on his temple. And David understood this from the beginning. And this is why he said, but the Lord will not deliver you from, with sword and spear, but this is the Lord's battle and he will deliver him to you, to me. So this is literally the equivalent to my son going up to Travis and saying, hey, you're not going to take my toys away from me anymore because my father said that this is mine. I don't care how big you are. I don't care how strong you are. You're not going to do it. I don't care what you say. I don't care that I'm 12 years old and you're 45 years old and you've been a dad forever. I don't care. What? <laughs> <laughs> so, for my son to come to confidence against this big, strapping, strong man, to feel a little better, feel a little better. <laughs> all right, all right, we're good. For my, for my son to defy him with such confidence, grab his toys, and walk away against a grown man that has been parenting to other children. That's a lot of that's a lot of confidence. That's a lot of gumption. So David knew this from the beginning that everybody else didn't have confidence because if they had confidence, they would realize that this battle was already won. If you just if you guys would have just taken a step in confidence that the Lord is going to save you, that this is not your guys' battle, but this is the Lord's battle, you guys would realize that there is no battle to be holding. That there is no longer an obstacle in front of you because we serve a God that controls everything, that takes care of all of our problems. And just as he delivered me from the lions and the bears, he's going to deliver this giant who is defied, defied the Lord's army. You 
guys are the Lord's army and you're just going to sit here and let me talk trash to you? I don't think so. I'm going to tell him this giant, I will cut your head off and you will be nothing but swine to the birds and the animals of this world. That you will not even be good enough for a burial. That you are going to feed the beast of this world because you are lower than them. Because you have defied something that you do not know. Amen. And so there, there's another little part I'm going to sidetrack real quick to this because the Lord talked to me about a lot of things through this. Before David won this battle against Goliath, before David became the, the king's royal guard, the head of the king's royal guard, at 12 to 16, he became the head of the king's royal guard. Let that sink in. He was the head of the White House President's Guards as a child, is what it would equate to today. He was a top-tier special elite force soldier as a child. Before he was that, though, he was a shepherd. Before he could go and become king, he was a shepherd. Before he could go and become a warrior for God, he was a shepherd. And there's something about that that really spoke to me. Before we go off and fight these giants, we have to take care and prove that we can fight the enemies that are coming against our flock. So for all of us parents here, our flock is our children. Travis, your flock is your family. Before you want to go off, before you go off and do spiritual warfare, before you go off and do everything else that God's calling you to do, he has put a family for you to her to take care of. To practice, because warfare, you don't go into warfare blind. You don't go into warfare without seeing what is laid out before you. You don't go in as a Marine. You don't go from signing your paper straight over to Afghanistan or wherever the war is at that time. You go through boot camp, you go through training, and you you are designated a battle You are designated a battle buddy. So before we go off and fight all of these battles, before we go off and take that next step, because we are no longer just reaching for our salvation. Now we have our salvation. All right, God, what do you want me to do next? What am I being called to to do next? I know I'm not meant to just stay here and be lukewarm. I don't want to just stay here and just be in your presence. I know you have a higher calling for me to do, but why can't I obtain and get to this higher calling? Take care of your flock first. Prove that you can take care of what is surrounding you, what is put before you, the family that you have chosen. Show that you can fight all of these spiritual attacks against your family. Because once you have gotten practice taking care of the people that you have loved, now I can go off and fight battles for other people. Because now my wife is on the same level that I am. My wife's armor is now at the same as me. And let's not forget that we are one before God's eyes because we took a vow of solidarity before before our pastor and before God that death do us part. And in God's eyes, we are one. Me and my wife are one. So before I go off and start fighting these spiritual battles because I feel my armor is ready to do it, where am I going back to rest? I am going back to my stronghold to rest. I am going back to my wife to rest. My armor's so strong that I don't feel this little pest demon that's scraping my armor. I can't feel it. It doesn't bother me because my armor is strong. 
But now, because it is attached to my armor, I've stepped into my household. I have stepped into my stronghold. I can't, I, can't, I can't get to this person. Oh, wait a minute. There's somebody right there who doesn't have armor as strong as me. Let me leave him now. Let me go and attack this. So before we're ready to go off and start doing all of these great things that we are called to do, let's not forget that our family is our stronghold, where we reside at night to, to get peace, to get strength, to study, is also where my family lies. Let's not forget this is spiritual warfare, you guys. Let's not forget this is warfare. This is not something to be taken lightly. The devil's a dirty, dirty man. He's been on this earth for many of years. And we know he is persistent. We know his playbook's small and weak, but we know he is persistent. We know he's not going to give up. So I don't care how I don't care what your armor's like. I can take my knife and bash it on a rock a hundred times and eventually it's going to break if I don't keep repairing my armor. That spirit isn't going to just stay last to you once it realizes that I can't get to this person, but you know how I can get to him? I can attack the person that he loves because he because we have we're not on the same page. I, I felt this calling and I've gone off and done this. And I've brought all of these things back to my house because I don't feel it because I am spiritually strong. But my wife is not as spiritually strong as I am. So now I'm going to go attack your wife. I'm going to make a divide in your household because I know a house separated will certainly fall. So I'm going to start with this small little wedge because her armor isn't as strong as yours. And I'm going to drive a wedge in it. And now, now I've, I've got this spirit of restlessness in my house. Where did this come from, Lord? My arm is strong. I'm fighting these spirits. How am, I not, how am I not winning against these battles? Well, you're bringing these back to your stronghold. You're bringing the enemy back to your camp. And not everybody in your camp was ready to take on this battle. So, of course, you're gonna, of course things aren't going to go to this plan. Because now the devil's found a loophole. Now he's found something. And, ladies... While we're off at work, you guys are you guys are guarding our stronghold. Faith, Sam, Janice. While we're off at work, while we're off fighting these battles, the devil's still looking at any way to get to us, and it's going to make attacks against our house. It's going to make attacks against you guys. So your guys' armor better be ready enough to part too. Because as a family, we're going to go do great and abundant things for God. It's not going to be just me. Because I'm including my family into it. So just as strong as my armor is to protect you guys, you guys are the keeper of our souls. You guys are the keeper of our family. There's nobody in an army that is more important than God. The general commands and is off at the battle. But the chef that's staying... They're preparing the meal. When a spy comes into it, that chef isn't just going to give them a piece of food. That chef is going to take that take that spy out. That's that chef, that mother who's staying at the house to take care of their family, needs to be prepared to take on battles as well. Because this is our stronghold. This is where we come back to rejuvenate our spirit. This is where we come to love each other. This is where we come to grow stronger. So there is no better way to dismantle an army than take away its place of rest. So you guys are the ones that while we're off at work, while our present isn't at the house, we might not be there, but our Heavenly Father is there. Our Heavenly Father is there. 
I know every single one of these mothers in here will do absolutely anything for their children. I've talked to you guys about what's happened at school, and you guys have told me I had to walk away because I was about to bite that, bite that principal's head off. I was about to bite it off. I was about to go crazy because I know my son didn't do this. I know he didn't do that. So it's easy. It's easy. It's easy for you guys to be protected, but we're not fighting physical battles. We are fighting spiritual battles. Everything you guys are coming up against is a spiritual battle. The the spirit of anxiety, of restlessness in your household is a spiritual battle. Your Your finances... Believe it or not, or a spiritual battle. Because did the Lord not say, give to Caesar what is Caesar and give to me what is mine? We know what God's currency is. So this paper money that controls our life, who do you think controls that? Who do you think controls the 1% of the people that control our money? It's the devil. This is the devil's currency. And we just get to use it while we're on this earth. Because not one man owns that money. It's just somebody else's time to spend it. So everything we go through, take a look at it from a spiritual warfare standpoint. Everything that's going wrong in your household, my toddler, my kids not wanting to sleep, not wanting me to study, that's a spiritual attack against my family. That's something that's saying, hey, 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 get off that computer, stop reading God's word, stop doing this, I don't want you doing this, there's something else over here. I can look over at my children and say, Peace be with you because this is a household built on stone and there's a hedge of protection here. And so whatever is going on, you can leave my household and you shall, you shall not return. And so just as David understood what the spiritual warfare was and the confidence he had, that is how he was able to defy, defy, defy the giant against him. It's good. And so in 1 Samuel 30, verse 8, David inquired to the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party? Oh, that's not supposed to be there. That's supposed to be down a little low. So Joshua 1, verse 9, it says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or dismay, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's take another look at that real quick. Be strong and courageous. Be confident. Be confident that that sin that you nailed to the cross remains on that cross. And even though you might be tempted for, tempted by it, the Lord is with you, and the Lord's not going to give you anything that you can't take care of. So let's not think, all right, I'm going to go nail this to the cross, and, well, I hope it doesn't come out. Take that hammer, smack it to the cross, and say, you are going to stay there because I have every confidence that God forgave my sins, that I am no longer a slave to this sin. I am no longer a slave to alcohol. I am no longer a slave to my anger because I nailed it to the cross, and nothing's going to bring it down. Now, if I don't nail this to the cross, I'm like, man, I really hope I don't get angry tomorrow. Yeah, it's going to come back. Yeah, if I don't believe in it with full confidence, it's not going to happen. If David wouldn't have ran to Goliath, as soon as Goliath picked his spear up and went to go throw it at him, David didn't just miserly walk over and I'm like, all right, how am I going to do this? No, David sprinted straight at him. He did not hesitate. 
He had absolute confidence that God was going to deliver him to him. So a 12-year-old boy armed with nothing but a shepherd's staff, a piece of leather, and five stones killed a man that was born in the Lord because he had confidence in God. And it says right here, be strong, be, be, don't let things dismantle you. Be strong, be courageous. So that's how we've got to act. We've got to walk as if we have confidence about things. I've got to pray as if it is already done. Not pray as if God will do this. I am going to pray as God has already done it. So I am going to rejoice in the fact that I don't have to fight this battle because this battle is not mine to fight because I am a child of God. And just as every single one of us parents will fight every battle for our children, God will fight every single battle that we allow him to fight for us. Now, can we be stubborn and try to fight it by ourselves? Absolutely, you can, but you're going to be stupid, and it's going to go a lot longer than you want it to, and you're going to be discouraged. You're still going to come victorious because we're still children of God, but if you just give it to God to fight, it's done. If you praise him for a house that you don't have, and you praise him by working on a house that you don't have the need to, guess what? I have the title to that house. I can't tell you how many people looked at me like I was crazy when I was living by faith because we had a house fire. My family had nowhere to go. We had nothing. Our house was destroyed. We were turned down six, seven times to every trailer, everything that we applied for. I was scammed over. I was scammed $2,000 worth of money. And everybody sat looking at me like, so, so do you guys sign the paperwork? No, we haven't signed the paperwork yet. What, what are you doing working on the house? I'm following what God told me to do. I know something that you guys don't know. I know that God has absolutely no option but to give us this house. Because I'm doing as the Bible is instructed. I'm laying my hands on this house and working with my hands so that everybody around me knows that it was the right decision. I am following the scripture that God put before me. And I had a conversation with God to where I know this house is mine. And so further down the road, well, you know, you, you put $2,000 into this house that you guys aren't owning. It's just going right back to the trailer park. Are they going to hook you guys up with the deal? Are they going to give you rent for free? Are they going to back pay you for this? I have no clue. Well, you know, that's probably something you should have talked about before you dropped 2000 of your own money into it. Well, guess what, you guys? I know something you guys don't know. I've had every single month's worth of rent paid for by the insurance company. I have received over $3,000. The insurance company isn't wanting to do anything for me. So when I didn't have money to bankroll to get my family a roof over their head, the Lord bankrolled me and gave me side jobs that I was able to complete in one day and paid me over 80% what I would have asked from them. I did not give them a price for a job that I would have charged two hundred dollars for. I received a thousand dollars before the insurance company gave me any money. I had every piece that I needed to make living in my household comfortable. Before anything that the insurance company had to do with, I already had a roof over my head. I already had all the tools I needed to continue studying my Bible. I already had all my food paid for. We have a full pantry. My children have never gone hungry. We have never weathered a storm to where we have not had a roof over our head. I knew something that everybody else didn't know. 
I had absolute confidence in God that he was that he had already worked this out. And so I lived by faith upon it, even through everybody giving me giving me looks, everybody telling me you shouldn't be doing this. You just got denied to that place. You just got scammed $1,500. They're not going to approve me for this place once the work's done. They're going to take this new house and take advantage of the work that you've done, and you're going to be out on the streets. That's not the God I know, and that's not the God that he's proven to show him to me. And just to, just to throw this out there, too, because I've been quiet for a good long time now. <laughs> <laughs> but it was... Uh, it was David's brothers who told him, stop, David. What are you doing, David? Now, David's brothers were Israelites. They belonged to God, too. They were his children as well. But your faith comes from inside you. Everybody else isn't going to see your faith. I haven't seen Brandon's faith. I'm saying God. I have big faith in when it comes to my life. I'll jump out. But when Brandon was doing it, I couldn't see his faith. And I, I, you gotta watch out that we're not like David's brothers, and we taught our, our brother out of doing something amazing for God because we don't have the faith that they had inside. Dan, Dan, Dan came over and he was talking, and as soon as I told him that I don't, I don't have anything in my name yet, he kept his mouth quiet, but his facial expression said something different. I didn't hold anything against him. I laughed at. Him. I laughed at it because I knew that he was going to look back at it. He's going to, man, I was so stupid. Like how, how could I how how could I not see this? Like how could I not see that this was going to happen? So I didn't have any hard feelings. Like, come on, Dan, really? You're not going to trust me. You're not going to trust me in this. That was between you and Dad. Exactly. One testament to me. Yeah. It was a testament to me. I go, wow, that was Brandon's fate. It worked out. He said. And we had all the faith. That's good. Praise God. 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 You can make it hard on ourselves. Yeah. It's like your kid. You're watching them sit there and toil with that toy, and you're like, you know, I can fix that for you. No, Dan, I got it. Okay. And we all have testimonies of faith. And every single one, I guarantee you, every single person who has a really big testament for faith has confidence involved in it. Right. But did you have confidence that God healed you when, when you came out of that wheelchair? Absolutely. Did you have any doubt in your mind that God healed you? I knew it. I knew when he gave me my job. God gave me my job. And when you saw a bottle of liquor after being sober for a couple days, did you have confidence that you were going to be able to walk away from it? I knew God took that. How many, how many times before did you and me alone, you and me, try quit drinking? More than we can count. More than we can count. So what was so different about all that? We had absolute confidence that God took this away. It's the same with every single sin that we nailed to the cross. It's the same with everything that we do. 
When some when somebody new comes up here to teach, don't teach out of timidness. I got I was I was dealing with this a little bit myself for this message because God was really speaking to me in a lot of levels. He was speaking to me on some low levels about it, and then he was speaking to me on some levels that I'm like, God, are you sure I'm supposed to talk about this? I feel like I'm crossing some authority lines by talking to this about some people. I feel like I'm, I I feel like this isn't something that should be coming from me. It should be coming from somebody with more authority. I was dead wrong. I have the authority of God in these words. These are not my words. These are not my words. I did not write these words down. I brought these words from the Spirit leading me to them, and I am just relaying them to you. So it doesn't matter what I say because it's not me talking about it. I am working under the authority of God, and there is no authority higher than God. So I am going. I am going to teach this message full fledged. I am going to teach this message with every ounce of veracity that I have when I stepped onto the wrestling mat. Because I knew when I strapped on my ankle bracelet and I went up to my opponent, if I didn't shake his hand with confidence that you're going down, that I already won this match before we even started it, I knew that I knew that fight was going to be was going to be a struggle. I knew that fight was actually going to be a fight. That I had a chance of losing that fight. But every single time I stepped out onto the mat, sized the guy up and was like, you ain't got a single chance in this world. Do you know what's about to hit you. If I come with the same velocity and my spiritual warfare against everything that's coming up against my family, the end result's going to be the same. Except I'm not going to be tired of because I already know that I'm going to be able to stand in front of I'm not going to stand there with wobbly legs because I took blows. I'm going to stand there firm and say, all right, who's next? I'm not budging, so who's next? Let's get this over with. I don't need, I don't need to rest for this. I defeated him. Now, lost. let's go. You and me are about to stand. And so in Isaiah 41, verse 10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen strengthen you surely. I will help you surely. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Don't be anxious about it. Don't, don't, Don't poke the bear because you're nervous about it. Grab the bear by the throat. Tell him to go back to his den. I have the right hand of God with me. I have God with me. So this is not me grabbing you. I know this isn't me grabbing you. So you can leave. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 3. So we say with confidence that the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? What can mere mortals do to me? I'm confident I have the Lord. So what is this non-spiritual being going to do to me? Because I'm filled with the Spirit. I'm walking in confidence. Not only am I walking with confidence, I am walking with power. Because through my confidence comes power. So mere mortal. I understand you're cussing me out because I didn't move out of that red light fast enough for you, but that's all right. You have no power over me. Not if I don't let you have power over me. If I let you get inside of my head, then I'm going to start battling things. 
But if I just shrug you off as you're a mere mortal, you're a mere mortal. Philippians 1 and 6. For at one time we were we were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as a child of light. This is a very simple passage, but it has so much power behind it. Once I was an alcoholic, but now I'm walking as I am sober. Once I was a sinner, but now I am walking as a child of God. Once I was this, but now I am this. Am I going to walk even though I'm a, even though I'm sober? Am I going to walk as if I was an alcoholic still? No, you're stupid if you do. <laughs> You're letting things take control of you again for absolutely no reason because you, because you thought you're still an alcoholic. You forgot that you pinned it onto a cross that held Jesus. So if that cross can hold my Lord, it can definitely hold my small sin. Wow, that's good. So walk as a child of God and walk with confidence that you are a child of God. Don't just walk as a child. As we came to God as a child, we are no longer just children in, in our spiritual walk. You are no longer just somebody who came to Christ, Travis. So walk as if you are somebody that has power over what is happening in your situations. Walk as if God is standing right there next to you. Are you going to walk next to God with the clouds back looking down? I don't think so. You're going to walk with your chest high, your head held up, because when you're looking down, you can't see what's before you. So if we walk with our eyes facing forward, and we walk with confidence that other people notice, man, what's different about this guy? What is different from last week to this week that he walks with such authority? What is so different about it? Dude, Travis, you taking some pre-workout before you come to work or something? What's going on, man? You've got a totally different aura, personality, something totally different about you. What's going on? Can I get some of that? Yeah, you can get some of that. Come to this Bible study with me and I'll show you. Jesus Jesus. That's good. No, no sugar, so you ain't going to gain no <laughs> so Matthew 21 verse 21 we read this one several times but we're going to look at it through a spiritual standpoint we're also going to look at, look at it through the eyes of confidence I tell you the truth if you have faith and do not doubt and do not doubt you can do things like this and much more you can even say to this mountain, may you be lifted and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. We've all done this in our head. We're like, all right, I've read this scripture, so now I'm going to go put it to the test. Water bottle, come here. Come here, water bottle. Lord, the water bottle didn't come to me. How am I supposed to throw a mountain into the sea? Was he talking about a physical mountain, or was he talking about a spiritual mountain? Come on. Were you doing it out of belief or were you doing it out of confidence or were you doing it to test your faith? Because I guarantee you if I say, man, I'm about to go up this mountain. I'm about to I'm about to be coming up against about this mountain. Wintertime's coming. I'm a painter. I'm about to be laid off. How am I going to provide for my, provide for my family? 
How am I going to cast this spirit of having to go through without a job for the winter time and provide? Because this isn't something small I can just walk over. This is something that's going to occur over months. This is something that's going to elevate, drop in terrain because I'll get a side job. So now I'm up, up at the peak of this mountain. Now my side job's gone. Now I've got to go through this valley and I've got to climb all the way back up again. I say, Lord... You're, you're not going to forsake me. You're not going to let my, my children starve. You're going to put jobs in front of me so that I don't have to worry about this. I guarantee you when I come back to you guys in summertime, I'm going to have an extra two grand in my pocket. Proverbs 3, 3 and 5. I don't know. I got, I got a lot of scriptures. You guys don't even you guys have any reported about yet. <laughs> Right. So, Proverbs 3 through 5. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Not a little bit of your heart. Not a small piece of your heart. Because if we are if we have confidence, I can't take just a little, I can't just drink one little sip of this coffee and know that it's going to energize me. But I know if I drink this entire cup of coffee, I'm going to be up till 10 o'clock. So we got to take it all. Not just a little. And all. So with all of your heart, do not depend on understanding of others. Do not depend on understanding of me. Because they're mere mortals. We just read that. We just read that they're mere mortals. But I've got God dwelling inside of me. I've got his spirit leading me. I've got him guiding me. So I'm going to trust in him. I'm not going to trust in him a little bit. I'm going to trust in him full-heartedly that I'm dropping all of my money from my bank account so that when I sign this lease, it's ready for us to move in and my family doesn't have to wait another month because I was waiting on the assurance of man to give me this house. I waited on the assurance of God. And so as soon as we got, as soon as we signed the lease, my family had a roof that was capable of supporting us. We didn't have to live inside of a living room with another family in a single wide trailer sleeping on the floor for another three weeks because I acted out of pure confidence and faith in God that as soon as I sign my lease, my house will be ready soon. Because, let's not forget, this isn't my house. This is the Lord's house. The Lord dwells inside of me. So it's not my house. This house isn't meant for just to put a roof over me. This house was meant to put a roof over God himself too. Because he dwells with me. I usher his presence into my family, into my household. So just as I have stakes in Vineview, God has stakes in my household. So I wasn't fixing the house for my wife. I was fixing the house so that I had a place to entertain God. That's good. Matthew 21, 21. Proverbs First Peter 1 and 6 through So be truly glad there is a wonderful joy ahead of you, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. So what did you just read? Oh, the Lord just told me that I'm gonna have to fight battles down the road. Okay, so let's get prepared for that. Let's get prepared for the spiritual warfare that we're that we just got a testament that we're going to have to go through. Let's get prepared so that when the time comes for us to put on our armor and battle this, that we are already prepared. That we are not letting that not letting this attack come on his terms. 
Because as soon as he steps foot onto my household, my house is already prepared to battle this. I God already told me six months ago, hey, Brandon, you need to be getting your armor strong. Then when I first started coming back to Bible study, what, what was the thing that I told you that I, that I really wanted to improve on? It was that I wanted to make my armor stronger. I didn't know why. I didn't know why I was being led to, to make my armor stronger. But four or five months down the road, when I needed strong armor to battle all of this, guess what? I had strong armor to battle this. I didn't have to take a bunch of blows to come back. I was able to deliver the first blow because the devil stood on my territory. He stood onto mine. I didn't walk into his trap. His trap walked into my land. There's a difference between them. There's a difference between walking into a trap and letting the trap come to you prepared. Because you know it's inevitable. Inevitable. You know it's going to happen. So why are we not getting prepared for it already? And why are we going to the Lord with a sorrow heart? Lord, why are you letting this happen to me? Why are you letting this be? Why? 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 Well, I told you. And I've told you, I've given you scriptures. Be prepared for it. You have free will. I cannot make you go and strengthen your armor. All I can do is let you know to be prepared. So take up your armor at all times because we don't know when these texts are going to come. We don't know when this is going to happen. All we know that is when it happens, we're going to be prepared. That's good. 1 Peter 1 and 7. Trials will show that your faith is genuine. So now that we've gone through these trials already, Lord, the Lord's proud of us. Man, Brandon, you went to that wedding with all of your friends. You didn't get drunk. Man, first thing that happened when you walked off into that wedding, they threw you in a beer and said, come on, we're going to shotgun shotgun beer for this picture. Brandon, I'm so proud of you for throwing that beer back and saying, you guys, I'm two months sober. Telling my brothers that we drink a fifth a night, a 24-pack of beer, and whatever else we could get our hands on in one single night between four of us. That, hey, you guys, I can't partake in this with you guys anymore. I've got a family, and I'm, I'm two months sober. And you know what they did? They said, give me that beer. You're not drinking this. You're not drinking this. And so this verse is saying... I am proud of you for standing against this. You went through this trial and you came out victorious. Recognize that. Be confident in that. Be confident that you are victorious over that battle. So be truly glad there is a wonderful joy ahead of you. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while. It's not going to last forever. It's not going to last forever. It might seem like it. But guess what? I look back and think about the time that my son was taken from me, that I lost my firstborn child three days before his due date, that I watched him come out lifeless, dead, out of my out of my wife's womb. Did it stick with me what seemed like forever? Absolutely. But now that I'm on the other side of it, 
I've got a promise I stand on. I've got a promise that my child was born out of love. That my child was the body of love. And so I know that my child was love. That he is sitting there with Christ. I know that I don't have to be mournful over the loss of my child. Because I don't get to watch him grow up. I get to rejoice that my child gets to see me grow spiritually. That my son doesn't have to learn these lessons. That my son understands them. That my son gets to watch me prosper. And so just just as the sword is a double-edged spear, it's not meant for attacks. Could I gone and curse the devil for taking my child from me? Absolutely. And there's probably a time or two that I did. There's probably a time or two that I did. But what does the Bible say to do against our enemies? It says to love them. It says to put blessing upon them. It says to take care of them as if they were their own flock. This might be a little controversial, but does that apply to the devil too? Is he not my ultimate enemy? Was he not a child of God? Did he not dwell with God too? Yes, he fell. And now he's the ruler of all things that are evil. But tell me how I feel after I told the devil that I forgave you for taking my son. Ask me how much power the devil has over that situation in my life now that I have given. <laughs> now that I have forgiven Satan for take, from taking my child from me. I prayed, I prayed for the devil. I said, Lord, let your grace and abundance be a witness to him that he will not change his ways, that he is the prince of darkness now and forever, as you are the God of all things that are good. But let this be a witness to him of the power that I hold through you. Let, let, him, let him see that I am walking through this. Because I know if I person, he's not he's going to be a little fish coming around me. If I sit there, but now that I said, hey, it's all right that you took my child from me. Because guess what? My child never had to suffer on this earth. So thank you. Thank you for never letting my child suffer. Thank you. But you don't have power over me anymore. Now he, now he absolutely has no stronghold in that aspect. Was that something I wanted to do? Something that I understood? No, it was something that I was being led in scripture and felt, what is my biggest enemy? It's not Joe down the street. It's not this. It's not alcohol because I don't have a problem with alcohol anymore. I can drink a glass of wine and put the rest of it back in the fridge and not touch it for another month. So I know it's not that. Oh, it's the devil. The devil's my biggest enemy. That, oh, that's what's happening here. All right. Let me forgive you. Because I'm going to act as Christ. I was called to be like Christ. I was called to walk like Christ. And I was called to act like Christ. I should have the spirit of Christ. And I should have the attitude of Christ. So is there anybody that Christ never forgave? No. And you act like Christ, and the devil ain't going to want nothing to do with you. How many times have we seen the devil attacking us while we're provoking him to fight? Yes. If we started acting like Christ, 
He ain't gonna want to be honest. He ain't gonna want to stand around and watch. Like that. Brandon's like, I, I forgive you. It's cool. You don't think that destroys the devil? The only reason he did it was to make Brandon depressed and upset. But you know, you said you're like, I don't hate the devil when I was thinking. It's like Mr. T. I don't hate Rocky. I pity the fool. That's how we know about the devil. I don't hate him. I pity the fool. So in 1 Peter 1 and 7, it says, Trials will show that your faith is genuine. So now we know that trials are coming. Now we know that Lord is proud of us for making it through these trials. And now we know our faith is genuine. Ain't nobody can tell me here that the Lord doesn't have my back. Because I didn't have money. I was rejected seven times. I was scammed out of every piece of money that I sold my gun collection to put us into a house. I couldn't get my church or where it needed to be. And I had nobody except my brother who brought me into a house to put a roof over my head. But I acted out of faith, Lord. I acted out of faith. And guess what? I have a house now that's better than my old house. My rent is $300 cheaper than what it was in Ann Arbor. I have over $600 in savings each month from bills now. And the gas down the road from me is $389, where everywhere else is $430. So ain't nobody over here going to tell me that faith isn't real. Because now I know my faith is genuine. That my faith wasn't just just, just a game of foosball back, back and forth, back and faith. Back and forth. I know my faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus is revealed to the whole world. Because I know there's a Jesus. You know there's a Jesus. Everybody in here knows there's a Jesus. But we stepped outside of the store, we go talk to the people inside of the trailer park, not everybody's going to know. But they're going to know that we believe in Jesus. We, we're going to tell them what's going to happen, happen during the rapture. And so when all of these things happen, they will now know that everything was real. Everything was genuine. Because it was, I've gone through fires. I've had my friends tell me I have never seen anybody hit rock bottom as many times as you have and bounce back every single time. That's good. First Peter 1 and 8. Love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him, now you trust him. And rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. You guys, if we don't go in confidence that these battles are already won, if I don't already start thanking the thanking God for giving me this house that I can do ministry work inside of, if I don't praise Him for the battle that hasn't begun that I already know has won, how is my faith going to grow stronger? How is that bringing joy to God? All right. I see, I see the storm that's about to come, but I, I'm not, I'm not going to praise him just yet because my crops haven't grown already. I'll praise him once my crops are ready for harvest. But 
this sword for all I know can wipe, wipe my crops out. So we're, we're, we're not going to praise him until I see the end result. I'm not going to praise him until he shows me 100% that he's got You got it backwards. He's not going to show you that he's 100% got you until you show him that you believe 100% that he's got you. Because this is a relationship. This isn't a one-sided relationship. This goes both ways. This goes both ways. Do we not want to give honor and glory to our Father? Do I not want to give honor and glory for the fact that man's not going to become an alcoholic ever again? Do I not want to give glory and rejoice for that everything that Saul is going to go through in his early 20s, that it's already won, that it's already defeated? All he has to do is recognize it? Because if I don't if I don't rejoice for it already, what are we really believing? If I don't rejoice as if the battle's already won, do you really believe your battle's already won? We got an inexpressible joy. David said, I, I will dance unto the Lord with all with um as a fool. And I don't care if I act as a fool. I will dance to the point where I look at myself as a fool. Because I know that will bring the greatest amount of joy to the Lord. So even though I view myself as a fool, I'm still going to continue to do it. Because I know my battle is already won. And so we are coming up on the hour mark. And I've got a quarter wait for you. We ain't done. You ain't done. We'll be back. We will be back. So, main things I want you guys to remember out of this is if we're looking at this from a spiritual warfare standpoint, think of it from a spiritual warfare. Think of it from a warfare standpoint. When you go into war, do you not have a base that you return to at the end of the battle? To heal, to rest, to sharpen your sword, to fix your armor, to put nutrients in your body so you can go out and fight the next day. What is that place for you guys? It is the church and it is your house. We already know that the church is secure because all of us put with God's presence inside of the holy, on holy land in a holy building. That the Lord dwells in at all times. I don't have to worry about the church. I don't have to worry about that. So what do I have to worry about? I have to worry about my stronghold. I have to worry about my household. How am I going to protect my household when I'm not home? Because I can't be home all the time. That falls upon you mothers. And for the single dads. For the girlfriends sitting at the boyfriend's house. For the sister staying at the brother's house. For whoever is dwelling in that house it falls upon. So, it's not hard to live for God in today's age. Go on to Spotify. Put on, put on some joyful, prayful, joyful music. Put, take Taylor Swift off of your playlist. Put on, put on. No, I'm, not this. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And so once you're done praising him in the morning for already winning those battles, now that you're coming up against battles, put on your armor. Your armor is your Bible. 
If you don't have time to sit down and read because you have twins, a toddler, a dog, and whatever else you have going on at your house, no matter what you have going on, I guarantee you you have a phone with a speaker. I guarantee you you have a computer. I guarantee you you have access to the internet. Go look up an audio Bible and just put the word of God on repeat in your house. Let the word of God fill your house. Let the scriptures fill your walls. So now that you're subconsciously listening to what God's going to do for you, instead of how Taylor Swift's boyfriend cheated on you, we're being filled with that. So now this battle, you're being reassured that it's not yours. All right, well, I'm, I'm still doing all of this, Brandon, but... My wife's still really battling depression. My wife's still really battling all of these things. How, how, how can I do that? Be the shepherd of your flock. Stop looking to take care of other people when your family needs you. Because I guarantee you, because I lived it. I lived it. I lived through a father that looked to fix everybody else and put God in everybody else, but neglected to put God in his own family. I lived through it, and a lot of us lived through it. So take care of your family. Know that you and your wife are one in a spiritual sense. You and your wife are one in the in the eyes of God. So start acting like you guys are one in God's eyes. And when you're strengthening your armor, strengthen her armor. When she's fighting the battle, you're fighting the battle. When you're fighting the battle, she's fighting the battle. And once your guys' armor matches each other, and your guys' knowledge and understanding of what God's trying to do for you guys is both on the same level, I guarantee you guys you want to start praying about the same things. Because just for the past four months, I've been living in the Spirit. Every sermon I've gone to, whether it be on Sunday, whether it be on Wednesday, whether it be on Thursday, or whether it be on the weekend going over to somebody's house, I studied it the week before. Nobody told me what they were talking about. Nobody told me what was happening. But the Spirit knew what was happening. And the Spirit led me to where I needed to go. So now I know what's going on in Dan's life because we're reading the same scriptures. Now I know the same power as a man of God who's been teaching Bible studies for the past 7, 10 years. Now I know the exact same things that he does. And I'm willing to listen to the Spirit. And so now it's not one piece of armor protecting Dan's son. Now it's me and Dan protecting his son. Now it's me, Dan, Candace, Faith protecting it. Now it's everybody inside of this room protecting that one person. Now it's everybody because we are linked through the Spirit. And we have strengthened each other's armor through unity. And now we are unified as the body of Christ. And just as one piece of chain mail won't stop the blow, but several pieces of chain mail put together will defend you against the devil's fiery So I feel like that's a good place for me to attack. Let's close with prayer. Let's close with prayer.
Dear Lord Jesus, touch our hearts and minds today, God. Thank you for the message that went forth today, God. Let it resonate in our soul today, God. Let it speak to everyone who hears it, God. That we will prepare for the war that we are facing, God. And that we'll have faith and confidence that you're on our side. And that you'll make miraculous things happen in our lives going forward. So we can praise you for your great glory. We worship you and praise you. And in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.